Good morning. Man, I am nervous. Uh, normally, they let the youth pastor preach, uh, you know, around holidays, uh, summer break, spring, you know, when you guys are never here, you know what I mean? Um, so when we were in prayer this morning, Aaron pointed that out because my, my, my friends have such a way of encouraging me, man. They're so awesome. Aaron's like, this is Super Bowl Sunday. Everybody's here. Don't mess this up. And Lynn, you know, who never messes anything up. By the way, Freedom Weekend deadline's today. It's going to be $55. After today, it's going to be $55. Lynn never messes anything. Lynn... <laughs> Lynn, Lynn came in with, yeah, I'll never let you preach again. So I'm nervous, but thank you for allowing me to share with you today. Um, there are things in my life that uh, sometimes I see that just don't make sense, or some things I hear that just don't make sense. Have you ever been in that situation where you hear somebody say something, you're like, that doesn't make any sense? Illustration. Uh, took the students to Winter Jam. Um, this past Friday, which I, I realized, I, I've been questioning myself, if I, am I getting old? Um, I turned 45 Wednesday, but God, God gave me confirmation at Winter Jam. Uh, I'm getting old, right? Uh, Annalise texted me not too long ago, and I didn't read it because I fell asleep at like 9.30. And the next day, she's like, you're so old. Which, Mr. Tim, Miss Leanne, if that makes me old, I, I don't want to break the news to you, but... <laughs> Um, but I took the students to Winter Jam, um, and, and we were on the van coming home, and Savvy, out of nowhere, says, hey, uh, where do you go to get your hearing checked? Does a, is it a doctor? And out of nowhere, Jared says, no, you go to O'Reilly's. And I just... <laughs> it was so awesome. I was so mad that I didn't come up with myself. But Savvy, you know, if you ever seen Savvy, when she gets frustrated, she, she stomps her little foot. Um, but we, we were telling her, yes, it is a form of a doctor, but you, you do not go to get your, your ear uh, refueled at O'Reilly's. It, it indeed is a doctor. And sometimes I see warning labels. This is the thing that I've seen uh, in just thinking about. It. I've seen certain warning labels that just don't make sense. Like I seen a warning label on a chainsaw that literally said, do not operate chainsaw in shower. <laughs> no, no, don't like, because listen, they put those warning labels on there because somebody somewhere has done this very thing. Clay Pender comes to mind. Um, <laughs> I could see Scott and Sherry saying, hey, Clay, don't take the chainsaw in the shower, right? I have seen that. I seen a sign not too long ago, um, deer crossing eight miles ahead. And it just didn't, I'm like, well, do, is there uh, boundaries that the deer know about, you know? Like the fourth mile, no deer is going to come out. It's just, it doesn't make sense to me. Here's one warning. Do not use for drying pets. That's on a microwave, Right? Somebody, somewhere, Abby comes to mind, has used a microwave to, to dry a, a pet. Caution. This wall is made of brick. Punching wall can and will cause serious hand injury. That's a warning on a brick wall. Here's one. Remove child before folding. That's a warning on a baby stroller. Somebody <laughs> in this church... <laughs> 
church where they came from. I was like, man, we got a lot of moms in this church. Somebody folded their child. Uh, man. Alex, that makes so much sense with Austin. Somebody, I mean, I get it now. <laughs> Here's one. May cause drowsiness. Use care when operating a car. Church, that is a warning on dog medicine. Okay? Doesn't make no sense. Power drill. Warning. Notice, do not clean ears with power drill. Somebody. Here's one. Touching wires causes instant death. $200 fine. That doesn't make sense to me. I seen one going up to Knoxville that said, if you're illiterate, which I, I understand why it's going toward Knoxville, sign was up. if you're illiterate, please call one. And I'm like, that doesn't make no sense. You know what else doesn't make sense to me, though? This is what doesn't make sense to me. And I don't understand a lot of things about the Christian faith. I'm still learning. I'm still growing. I still pray every day, God, give me a spirit of teachability. I don't ever want to think I arrive. But one thing that does make sense to me, one thing that God has taught me, and one thing that doesn't make sense to me when I hear it from other people is when they say, oh, yeah, I'm a believer, but I just don't serve. I'd rather just sort of go to church and sit, you know, and be fed. And, and when my time comes, then I'll serve. Church, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, your time is now. 1 Peter chapter 4 Verse 10 is our text this morning. And this is what it reads. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. And even goes on, dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in as much as you are participating in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Let's pray. Father, we pray this morning. Um, first, I want to thank you for wonderful worship. We thank you for the gifts that you have given our worship team that they share with each and every one of us every Sunday morning, Lord. Um, I pray we never take that for granted. I thank you for this body of believers, Lord, that I have seen so many times uh, serve other people within our body, Lord. And we're so thankful for that. We know that it's the gospel that changes us, the gospel that frees us. And because of that, we want to serve you. Not to be able to gain love, because you simply love us no matter what. But because of your love, Lord, I pray we're moved to serve every opportunity we get. And we pray that all the glory belongs to you. For your son, Jesus' name we pray, amen. So a lot of things don't make sense. That one makes sense to me. 
So if we're talking about serving, and sometimes people get uncomfortable when we talk about servants, and if we're uncomfortable, that's a good place to be because it means that God's probably speaking to us because we've all been guilty a lot of times of just taking time off or not even clocking in to serve anyway. But we are together, and the first point I want to bring out when we're talking about serving, we have to recognize that we are together and engaged by the gospel. We're changed by the gospel, and that is the reason why we do serve. Before we even think about serving, we must be changed by the gospel. It is changes, it's freed us. Not to make everything about us, but to look for a way to serve one another. It's the ultimate example that Jesus gave us. Look Philippians 2, 5, and 11. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus came to serve. It's our ultimate example. And I see this play out in student ministry as far as the gospel changes us. And I see it when it's into student ministry. And Jimbo will probably see it in college ministry. Uh, thank God for him now that he's working with our college students. But it's not unusual for me to talk to parents who are concerned because their student or their college-age kids or their grown children seem to have walked away from Jesus. In fact, the statistic shows that when students leave, 70% of them will never return to the church. And it's a scary statistic. And I, I've always thought about this when I'm listening to parents tell me about their child and how they have left and they, don't, they won't return to the church. And often the parents want to know two things. Why did this happen and what do I do now? And there are no easy answers. Usually I listen to their story and offer a little encouragement and I pray. But I read a story from a pastor last week that changed my perspective on this. <clears throat> listen to what the pastor shared. He said he was in a conversation with a man who came up with tears in his eyes. And he started telling the story of his prodigal daughter. But he wasn't asking the pastor why. He wasn't looking for an explanation. In one sentence, he put his finger on what he thought happened in the case of his daughter. And here's what he said. Pastor, we raised her in church, but we didn't raise her in Christ. She grew up learning to be a fan of Jesus instead of a follower of Jesus. And most parents want their kids to have a little bit of God. And they want their kids to have some biblical morals. But one of the most dangerous ways to be raised is with just a little bit of Jesus. It's like a vaccination. A little bit can make you immune to the real thing. And I've seen students whose hearts have been changed through the gospel, and the first thing that they come up to me and say is, where can I serve? I had a student who Christ saved Wednesday night, and before he saved her, she was already zeroing in on where can I serve? If you come in on Wednesday nights, you will see students running lights. You will see students running slides. You will see students running sound. You can look in the back, and you see a student running sound, and college students running slides because they know that through the gospel, they have been equipped, engaged to serve 
all of us in here this morning with the gifts that God has given them. What are you doing with yours? We are changed by the gospel. And because of that, we're engaged by the gospel to take the gifts that God has given us. And by the way, this is written to believers. If you're a believer here this morning, you have a gift. I don't know what that gift is. You know what? If your gift is kindness, you know what? The world kind of needs that a little bit. Use it. Never get tired of it. Never grow weary of it. I don't know what your gift is, but I've seen some of my students use their gift not just inside the walls, but outside the walls. Tim sent me a video uh, one day of Savvy leading worship to elementary students. I, I speak at chapel every Wednesday morning. I see Katie, sometimes Leah, leading worship to those in their tutorial. Our gifts were never meant to just stay here inside the walls. They were meant to be taken out as well. We are changed by the gospel. And once we are changed by the gospel, we are together enlisted to serve. Look at our text. Each of you, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ to him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. A spiritual gift is a gracefully given, supernaturally designed ability granted to every believer by which the Holy Spirit ministered to the body of Christ for the glory of God of the Father. Say that ten times. I barely said it once. It is a gift that we have that's not of ourselves, but God has given it to us and not given it to us for us to keep. Minus communication, despite the grammar barriers that I struggle with, Everything I ever went through, all the suffering as a child, all the loss, everything. Once I gave my heart to Jesus, about a year later, God started revealing to me what my gift was. A gift to teach and preach God's word specifically to teenagers. And I lost sight of that. When we moved here from Alabama... And we moved to Nashville. We went to a church of about 20,000 people when we first. You know how easy it is to hide in a church with 20,000 people? Easy. And we did that. I took a five-year break from student ministry because I started telling God, and you've probably been here uh, in times of your life too, when you start kind of leading the conversation with God instead of God leading the conversation with you. And I was like, okay, God, this is what I'm going to do. I need you to be pumped up about this, right? I don't know how you talk to God. I just talk to God like I'm talking right now. I'm like, God, here's the deal. Moving to Nashville, I'm going to need some time off. I mean, come on, man. Y'all get, let's just be real today. That's one thing we have so much trouble with. We're like, I don't want to be real. Look, I know you have done this too. Pressure off. My God, here's the deal. I'm going to take some time off. I've done student ministry. No, in fact, God, you know what? I'm done with student ministry. That, that is it. You can ask my wife. I'm done with it. I thought God was leading me to be a pastor, but I said, God, to do that, I'm going to need about five years, right? I used the excuse of trying to uh, get my nonprofit up and running. I'm like, God, I got to do this, right? Because you have called me to do this, and, and I'm just done with stu student ministry. And, and when I um, was doing an event and CBS News came out to cover it, I had to have some worship leaders. We were still hiding, right, in this church of 20,000 people. We didn't do nothing. We went to church one day. Sunday morning was it. 
It was so awesome. <laughs> sounds, sounds horrible, don't but it was because I told my wife, I was like, man, we ain't got to, you got to understand, up until then, I had come up in smaller churches, you know, in, in, in Alabama. I was, a youth, I was a youth pastor of one church 120 years. They'd never had a youth pastor. And I was talking to the pastor. I was like, great, how many students do we have? And he's like, three. Two of them are graduating. <laughs> Outstanding. I'm so pumped. By two years, man, I was like, I, this is horrible. And it was like Sunday school. And I never could be just a youth pastor, youth pastor, associate pastor, uh, everything but the worship pastor, which I understood that, right? I get it. Your gifts only go so far. <laughs> I've never been asked to be an English teacher. I don't understand why. It's like nobody else can see the gift I have teaching your child English. And the thing about it is, is I was just getting burned out. And I felt like I was, you know, punching a time card when I would come into church. So that's how you know when you're doing it in your own power, by the way. And we'll get to that in a second. But we come up here to Nashville, man, and we fell in love with it. Not only, like in, in, in the town we were in in Alabama, if I broke my toe today, people would know about it in 30 minutes. And they don't even have social media. I don't know how it happened. They still have rotary phones. I know that y'all have no idea what I just said. It's phones you dial. And if you mess up, you have to start all over again. And then we had party lines. So you're trying to talk to somebody and somebody else is like, hey, hang up the phone. I'm like, it was just burnt out. This small town in Alabama. And I'm like, God, I just, we're moving to Nashville. Even the city is big. Like nobody knows us here. Like, I can go up to a car and kick it. Nobody's ever going to find out if I do it privately. <laughs> I can roll somebody's random. We can go roll somebody's yard randomly. And if they catch us, we don't have to worry about it. We're not going to be on the news. They're going to tell Aunt Shelley who's going to tell her whole church body. And she's going to disguise it as a prayer request. Please pray for Brian and Earl. You know, they're in jail right now, and we're just here to help them. They're not going to bail us out, but, you know. And we came up here, and I told my wife, I remember when we left. And worship was good because when you get in this mentality of not using your spiritual gift, just coming to church and just becoming spiritually obese and doing nothing with it, you become just like we did. You become consumers instead of contributors. A consumer Christian, here's the difference. A consumer Christian comes to be served. A contributing Christian comes to serve. It's backwards from what Jesus said because in Matthew 20, 28, he said, just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. We've taken church and made it about us and we have become spiritually lazy and we have become spiritually obese and then we argue right if the pastor don't preach exactly what we want it's always the pastor's fault if the worship's bad it's always the worship pastor's fault it's just easy to blame the last people we're ever going to look at is us because we don't want to admit hey god i've checked out i'm taking time off and i'm telling you that i am doing so whatever you have equipped me to do i'm not going to do it i'm just going to sit in church and complain and you know what, God, if you don't listen to me and the other people won't listen to me about complaining, I'll just go to a church who will. And I will go from church to church to church to church until I'm happy. 
And church, if you ever go to a church and you think you have found the perfect church, God is setting you up to remake you because I can promise you, as soon as you walk through the door, it stopped existing being a perfect church. Consumerism. It's killing our churches. Soon everything was about me. Church had to be formatted around me. The music, the sermon. I found myself getting angry with other believers over something dumb. So I told them that they needed to treat me the way they wanted to be treated. Because Jesus said that, right? But here's the thing, church. Though Jesus never told me to tell others how to love me better. He told me to focus on how I can love others better. And we do that through serving one another with the gifts that we have been given. Galatians 5.13 says it like this. You, my brother and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Do you know what? And we, we, have, we have something special here, and I love it, and I thank God for it every day, and I do not take it for granted because the number one thing in student ministry that we deal with, us as youth pastors, is as students who just bounce from church to church to church to church to church. And I had a parent one time, and it was one of those days, and I admit, I have some bad days where just stuff comes out of my mouth, and my wife, like she says, I don't have no idea how my wife gives me this advice. You just say stuff, you don't think about it. So do you. <laughs> She's worse than me now, but she watches so many husband-killing wife shows, I just don't say nothing about it. You don't talk to a woman like that who's learned how to kill a husband 25 different ways and get away with it. God gave me some sense. But we have this, and a parent, it's just one of those days, and a parent had asked me, how do I stop my student from church? I wanted them to settle down. You settle down. Stop making this about your student. God is talking to you. They follow your example. Give them credit. They're so smart, man. They teach me more than I think I have ever taught them. And they see us. My daughter sees me as a parent. My daughter sees how I react when I'm angry. She, oh, goodness. She sees how I react when I'm trying to make decisions. She sees how I react, how I treat my wife. She sees how I react, how I treat other people. Yours does too. And we taught our students, well, you know what? If you're just not happy here, just go somewhere where you're happy. And every Sunday morning and every Sunday night and every Wednesday night, I walk into this church and I'm so overcome with gratefulness because I see the same faces that I see here this morning are the same faces that I see Sunday night and then I see Wednesday night who have the parents who are the same parents that I see here Sunday morning and Sunday night. And that just excites me. That's what fires me up about being a student pastor. Going to winter jam and, and parents who say, hey, you know what? You need help. Now, they may never help me again after that. I don't know. I asked Miss Tammy, I said, are you recovered? And she said, like, she probably couldn't hear a word I was saying. But they were there. 
And they were serving and they were helping and they were panicking just like I was because I, I couldn't keep up with how many kids we had. And we had a Lloyd kid. You know, they never follow instructions very well. So where's Luke? I got a concession stand. Concession stand's like three floors. I'm just kidding. Luke was golden. But we were panicking. But we were doing it together because we had been equipped together to serve. All my student leaders that I come in, man, I, I can, church, I cannot tell you. If you ever, 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 if there's a brief moment in time where you're just like, hey, I like Brian. He's a, he's a decent youth pastor. Please, in that same sentence, say that his adult leaders are all-stars. They show up, man, and they serve. And, and, and when I couldn't figure out how, what to do with middle schoolers, because I've spoken to high schoolers all my life, and, and middle schoolers bring a whole other, they're so awesome. They have ADD just like me, and it just it doesn't mix. Like, I, I, can, I can be talking to Luke. I'm like, Luke, how you doing? Squirrel! And Luke's over here. And I'm like, over here with him. And I prayed for so long, God, please send help. Please send help. Please send help. And at the time, we only had like three or four middle school students. And they were so awesome. But they were inviting people. And God said, out of nowhere, I got you. First, I'm going to send you Stacy Taylor. If you've ever met Stacy Taylor, man, she's like an angel falling out of heaven, right? She's just so nice. I think. Brant might tell me. She may be a monster at home. I don't know. But here, she's great. And God filled that need because she was willing to serve, man. And she has all those middle school girls. And there's like 105 middle school girls. And they're just running everywhere. They have their own road dedicated here. And it has multiplied. You know why? Because God had who he wanted at the time to be there to minister to them. My job was to cheer them on and encourage them. And then Stacy has all these middle school girls in a group text message, and, and my brain hurts. I'm like, she showed me 72 text messages. <laughs> Eva Simmons can do that by herself. <laughs> I was like, God, but we need somebody for the middle school boys, and I. Please send somebody because I am, I don't have the answer. And we asked and asked and people prayed, which thank goodness they prayed. That's the way it should be. And then out of nowhere, man, this guy with zero hair comes walking up. And God sent Jeremy Day at the right time. He was the right person. And their middle school guys started to multiply. It's like it's gremlins. You poured water on them. I don't know how it happened. All that I can tell you is at the end of the day, it's not Stacy, it's not Jeremy. They would tell you at the end of the day, it was God placing people using their gifts where they needed to use their gifts. But before they started doing that, they had to recognize, I have a gift. Why am I sitting on the sideline? Why am I hiding in church? Why am I so satisfied with just waking up and going to church and doing that Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and then I just go home and I watch football and I do nothing because I'm spiritually lazy and we don't like to be told that. Now, trust me, I didn't want to tell you that. Only way I can tell you that is because I once was spiritually lazy, and I'm still guilty at times of still being spiritually lazy. Every chance I feel sorry for myself or every chance I think that somebody has wronged me, I'll start taking time off. 
So back to CBS News Covenant that Ben, I needed a worship leader. We had visited TR for a little bit. This is how awesome God is. Because if those conversations, if you're dictating the conversation, God may let you get away with it for a little bit. You're like, oh, I got this. I got God's ear. You're going to tell your friend, I just told God what I'm going to do. And he loves it. I needed worship leaders, man. And, and, and I thought, well, I know Aaron Loy. I was like, I, I remember that guy. And uh, I'll call him, and Aaron and Kara couldn't do it, but they said, we have two other people, Wade and Julie. Wade and Julie will do it. And Wade and Julie signed up, and they did it, right? So we had this event. It was awesome. Wade and Julie did a beautiful job because God's given them a gift to sing, and they used that gift inside the walls, outside the walls, the way it should be. And through that, Scott Matthews was at the event, and we were, me and my wife were just joking. You've got to keep in mind, I done told God I was done with student ministry. Done. I was going to be a pastor. The worst grammar-speaking pastor, I'm sure that church would have blew out the water, right? People on social media, oh, I love our new pastor. Can't understand half of what he says, but he's awesome, right? I just joked with Scott, and I said, hey, I heard y'all are looking at for a student pastor in Mount Julie. He said, we are. You want to put your resume in? I said, absolutely not. Because God is on board with me. And through that, my wife's like, what if, though? Man, wives. <laughs> so I sent my resume in. I met with Lynn. I, Lynn, I come back home. And I told my wife, I'm not getting it. He hates me. I didn't know at the time that, you know, maybe everybody first has a meeting with Lynn. They come off thinking, oh, man, he hates me. I don't know. I said, he hates me. Three weeks go by. All of a sudden, I get another call from Lynn. And now it's getting serious. Now God's starting to tell me what to do. And I'm uncomfortable with it. And God said, hey, I'm glad. I'm so thankful you think you're done. But I'm not done with you. And here's the deal. I'll keep you as a student pastor if you're 95 years old. It'll be awkward, incredibly awkward. But I'm the one who drives this ship. It's the first time I've ever heard God just say, shut up. At first, I thought it was my wife, because I hear that a lot. But then I, I realized. <laughs> God says, shut up. He tells that in James. Be swift to hear, slow to speak. It works wonders. Not only in marriages, but our relationship with God. And God's like, shut up for once. It's not about you. I have people in need of the gift that I have given you. So I met with Lynn, and Lynn said, I'll call you in two or three weeks. I come back, and I said, oh, he hates me even more now. He I think he found out I was from Alabama. I can't remember. I got a call that night to where Lynn said, hey, when God shows us the right thing to do, that's what we're going to do. And I was hired to be the student pastor here at the fellowship three years ago, and I am so thankful that God told me to shut up. So thankful. We have this gift. Francis Chan says it about this when we go into consumerism. No one hates consumerism more than God because the mentality keeps the church from having the vibrancy he attended. Don't give up on the dream. The church does not have to remain a group of needy people complaining that they haven't been fed well enough. It really can become a group of servants who thrive in serving. We see it in Acts 6. 
when, when the teachers were trying to teach and equip people with the word of God, but the widows wouldn't be served. But everybody in the church were thinking, hey, let the preacher do it. My grandmother's preacher, bless his heart, he had to do everything. If anybody went into the hospital, even if they broke a toenail, if the pastor didn't show up, they just said, vote him out. Ignore all the spiritual lazy people that are in the body who have the same ability to go and use their gift of encouragement and, and wisdom that God has given you and the love that God's given you. Just put it all on the pastor. And we get our feelings hurt when it's not that. But I tell you what, man, I've seen the ultimate example of Sam Malloy who before you even went to the hospital, he was there. And he had a stuffed animal with him, whether it was a student, whether it was a child, whether it was you. Sam was always there, and it was a beautiful example. Even despite how difficult the circumstances around us become, like our text says, I saw this play out. So oh, I'll just use correct grammar. I saw. I learned in staff meeting that I say I seen, and I didn't even know that was correct or incorrect. So I've been saying that for years. I promise UAB gave me a good education. Savvy's parents are probably freaking out because she got accepted to UAB and Savvy's going to come home and say, fix it, I seen. They're going to say, did you do your chores? And she's going to say, I done did it. Just all kind of things. But I saw this play out so beautifully yesterday in the body of our church when a family who is in student ministry, and some of you might not even know who the student was. If you think you can't understand me talking, you certainly ain't going to understand Tyler talking. But he's one of us. He's family. He belongs here. And he lost his mom just suddenly out of nowhere. And I seen this church, people that didn't even really know Miss Pam that much. I seen them bake food, make food, and bring it to where families that were coming in could, could eat. And I walked in and I said, this is beautiful. People using their gifts to serve other people, maybe people they don't even know that well. And how do we do that? And that's by the last thing. We are together empowered by the Spirit. Like I told you earlier, if you're serving and you're burnt out, if you're serving and you just feel like you're punching a time clock, you're doing it on, in your own power. Verse 11, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. Romans 12, 11, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, your passion serving the Lord. How do you do that? You do that by, one, shutting up, and two, you realize where your power comes from. Even when you're too weak, here's the thing, even when you're too weak, even when you're walking through a storm, you don't let pride get to you where you don't allow anyone else to be able to use a spiritual gifts to pray for you, to walk with you to kneel with you, to cry with you, to sit with you. Let the church be the church. That's what we were created to do, is to be and walk with one another, even through the storms of life. And we do so knowing that it is the Holy Spirit that empowers us. Whatever talent or gift God has given to you, it will always find its highest value and use when you use it for the glory of God. As Aaron and him come back to the stage, church, together we can both persevere and advance the gospel. We all have a part to play, and many hands make 
light work. It takes us all. I'm asking you this morning, what role are you playing? Where are you in this ballgame? It's a perfect metaphor for today. Are you sitting here this morning and you realize how me and my wife and what we realized years ago when we moved to Nashville, we've become spiritually lazy. We have gotten mad. We have blamed it on Aaron. We have blamed it on Justin. We blamed it on everybody else. But man, where are you in this story? Because I can promise you, if you dig deep enough, you'll find that maybe, just maybe, you've checked out. And you can, you can jump from church to church to church to church. I promise you. God's got where, he's got you exactly where he wants you. Or you wouldn't be here. I believe in divine employment. I do. God's got you here for a reason. I can promise you this church, just from what I seen yesterday, you were not called here, if you're a believer, to sit on the sidelines. You were called to serve in some capacity. And I don't know what your spiritual gift is, but I know we have a team of people that will walk with you and help you figure out what that spiritual gift is. And I know we have a team of people who will celebrate when you say, I want to use the gift that I have to glorify not myself, but Jesus. There's several ways you can respond this morning. There's two crosses on the side. If you have a prayer request, you can pin your cross up there. We pray for those prayer requests. We have the altar. You want to come and you want to kneel down. Maybe God has shared something, spoken to you, and you just want to spend some time with him in prayer. I promise you, you won't pray alone. We have the Lord's Supper on both sides if you want to partake with that. But this morning, I am simply asking you, where are you in this ballgame? Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your wonderful son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that it's you that empowers us to serve, not of ourselves. We thank you that it's you and you alone who can do things through us that serve other people and benefit other people. And God, may we be honest this morning with ourselves and just ask, where are we? What are we doing for the kingdom? I pray if we see that we're spiritually lazy, Lord, you're the one who can cure that. You're the one who can set us on the right path to serve where you want us to serve. And Father, I pray at the end of the day, everything we do, anything we sing, anything we preach, anything we teach, any house that we visit, any food that we make, anything that we do to serve you, that in the end you receive the glory. For it's in your son Jesus' name we pray this morning.